Pastor Xavier Reese on The Secret to Living Day by Day, making the most of every moment. How many times we waste today because we're worried about tomorrow? How many times we're so worried about tomorrow that we're miserable today? And how many times we take today and we regret our past so much that we don't even realize that we have today to live? Forget your past. Let God worry about the future and make today valuable. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You can't judge a person's smarts simply based on if he or she has a college degree. Today, Pastor Xavier shares the secret of graduating from God's university, one in which the only entrance exam required is to trust in the Lord. And this is one education you can apply to everyday living. Turn to the book of Proverbs for today's practical and encouraging simple truths. Chapter 26, verse 1, he says, As snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemingly for a fool. In other words, it's out of place. To give honor to a fool is out of place, as much as snow would be in the summer, or like it says in the proverb there. As a bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse, costless, shall not come. Now this has reference to someone laying a curse on you. There are a lot of Christians that are still superstitious when they come to the Lord and maybe they're witnessing to somebody that's in the occult and they say, I'm going to curse you, man. And they get all petrified. Oh, he's going to put a hex on you. He says, hey, it's just like, um, like the bird wandering or the swallow that flies overhead. He's just going to fly. Nothing's going to happen. He's just going to fly over your head. No big deal. In other words, nobody can curse you. Remember Balaam? He tried to curse the children of Israel. And Balaam clapped his hand. He says, shut up altogether. I've called you to curse these people and you've blessed them all these times. Balaam says, didn't I tell you I can't curse who God's blessed? Doesn't the New Testament say greater is he that's another than he is in the world? Doesn't he say I'm in the palm of his hands? And one hand of Jesus, the other one of the Father, I'm in better hands than all state. So don't get caught up with these people that threaten you or curse you. Nothing, nothing can happen to you unless God allows it. And if God allows it, he'll give you the way of escape. Verse 3 says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, a rod for the fool's back. Take your pick. Are you a horse? Are you an ass? Or are you a fool? What's going to straighten you out? Verse 4 and 5 are coupled together. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now, on the surface they appear the same, but in the Hebrew they're not. Verse 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his manner of his folly, so that he doesn't think you're a fool like him, or that you think like him. Verse 5 says, Reprove him, answer him according to his folly, lest he think that you're some kind of turnip that just fell off the truck and you don't know what's happening. Okay? In other words, expose him. Verse 6, he says, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. In other words, it doesn't do you any good. As to your hurt. The legs of the lame are not equal. So is a parable in the mouth of fools. In other words, it doesn't measure up. It doesn't make any sense. The words are indeed are not equal. You take a, a man that's lame, one leg's longer than the other. Well, so is a fool. You know, he may say something, but what he does is two different things. 
Verse 8, as he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. In other words, if you put a stone in a sling and keep swinging it around, if you're not going to use it, so is honor to a fool. It doesn't do any good. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. In other words, the drunkard, as he, because he is unaware of what's happening and he puts his hand somewhere and a thorn goes in his hand and it's to his hurt without knowing it, so as he speaks with a parable thinking that he knows what he's talking about, it only adds to his own hurt because he doesn't understand it himself. The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth the transgressor. Whatever you sow to, that you will also reap. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Pretty simple. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope of a fool than of him. So something worse than a fool, a man in his own conceit. Pride goes before destruction, a honey spirit before the fall. Paul tells the Corinthians, he that thinks he knows something the way he ought, he knows nothing. A man that's in conceit is blind to himself. Remember in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, when the publican and the Pharisee entered into the house of God, and the Pharisee says, I thank thee, O God, that I am not as other men. The publican wouldn't even look up, and he just looked down to the ground and struck his chest, and he says, Oh, Father, forgive me. <laughs> he says, This man went down justified. Conceit will blind you from your true condition. The slothful man saith, There is a line on the way, and a line in the streets. We covered this before. This is a lazy bum that doesn't want to work and he'll give you any excuse so he doesn't get out there. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doeth the slothful upon his bed. Same thing. That's a good description of a lazy guy. You know, when you open the door, it just kind of just goes slow. That's the same thing. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. Now, you're really lazy not to eat for yourself there. The slugger is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. <laughs> Again, all these pertain to the lazy person. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. If you don't understand it, go to your neighbor's house, whose dog you don't know, and grab him by his ears. <laughs> and you'll understand this proverb. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is a man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? In other words, this is a man that's always jesting. And he doesn't think through his little jokes, his little jesting, and they hurt a lot of people. You know, there's nothing more aggravating than someone's always joking and always get a kick out of everybody's expense. And that's what the proverb is speaking about here. Ephesians 5, 4 picks that up also, and so does Timothy. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. Isn't it true? You get rid of one person that's spreading gossip or rumors, man, everybody's at peace. But as long as that guy's around, man, there's always trouble. And they get a kick out of that. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Same thing. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the uttermost parts of the belly. In other words, they really damage people. You know, I think of how many people were destroyed as 
as I was growing up, just uh, rumors, gossips, lies about guys, about girls or whatever, and um, scars that these people had to bear for the rest of their life, perhaps affected their life totally, you know, and, and the world, you know, really gets off on that. They really think it's, it's part of uh, being cool, of, of, of proving your power, your might, your manhood or whatever. And uh, we never think through the damage to the lives of people. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a posture's covereth with silver droth. In other words, posture to cover the silver droth, it's a pottery that's made, and then they would spray with the silver droth to give it an expensive and original look. Well, so do burning lips and a wicked heart. You know, there's a wicked heart, but, you know, they, they try to flatter you with their lips, but deep down inside, it's not really what they're saying. Outward appearance. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up the seat within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. 23, 24, and 25 all speak of that person that's always flattering with their lips. They're not really being truthful. Verse 26, he says, Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. So this is the person that rejoices in the afflictions of others, the person that's always trying to bring damage upon others, these Proverbs. Chapter 27, verse 1, he says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Paul says today is the day of salvation. So many times men think that they can live out their lives. They say, well, I accept the Lord when I get old. Right now I'm having too much fun. And that's the concept of many people in the world, that church is for old people and those that are ready to die. And yet no man has the promise of tomorrow and we boast about it. James picks it up too and he tells the rich man, he says, why do you rich men, why don't you guys weep and howl? And don't have your confidence on your gold and your silver that can corrupt and everything else. And don't say, tomorrow we're going to do this. Say, if the Lord will, for tomorrow is promised to no man. Remember the individual in the Gospels where he says, well, what should I do? I'm full and my barns are full. I know what I'll do. I'll tear them down. I'll fill them up. And he says, thou fool, thy soul shall be required of thee tonight. Is there any of you here tonight that can guarantee me that you will be alive tomorrow morning? I certainly can't. So we have to make the best of every day, every moment. How many times we waste today because we're worried about tomorrow? How many times we're so worried about tomorrow that we're miserable today? And how many times we take today and we regret our past so much that we don't even realize that we have today to live? <laughs> we're merely existing. Forget your past. Let God worry about the future and make today valuable and live it. Verse 2, he says, Let another man praise thee, and not thy own mouth, and stranger, and not thy own lips. Again, self-glory. Absalom is a perfect picture of this in 2 Samuel 15, 4, where he stood at the gate of the city. He says, Oh, I wish that people would bring their cause to me, and I would give righteous judgment. Puffing yourself up. Verse 3, A stone is heavy, and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? That's really something what he says there, you know? I mean, wrath is cruel. 
I mean, when you're mad, you want to get somebody. You can really think of different things to do. You know, I'll get this sucker. I'll do this. I'll do that. And that's cruel. Vengeance. But then he says, anger is outrageous. I mean, when people get mad, they do the most outrageous things. Put your fist through a window. You tear up your furniture. You dummy, you're going to have to pay for it. But he says, but who is able to stand before envy? That's a killer. Envy. You can't stand what other people have. That's worse than jealousy. Jealousy is, I'm jealous because you have something I don't have. Envy is, I despise you because you have something I can't have. <laughs> It'll eat you up. Who can stand before that? This was a beautiful picture in terms of Joseph and his brothers. They envied him. They couldn't have the place that Joseph had with their father. None at all. Wasn't that equally the charge for Jesus when they brought him before Pilate? Since Pilate knew they turned him over for envy, they knew they couldn't be as righteous as Jesus. So they envied him. Verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Verse 6 goes along with it, Faithfuls are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I want you to really think about these Proverbs because they are so important for every day of my life. You know, it is real easy for me to go on my way and to really think I'm something, to believe that I can do nothing wrong, to believe that, after all, I study the Word of God every day and I teach people, I, I, I am a spiritual leader. And I can get to a point where if anybody confronts me in any way, I figure, well, who do they think they are? But I pray that God would give me faithful friends that would have the boldness and that would love me enough that they would openly rebuke me if need be if I'm going astray. That's true love. It's better than secret love because it will bring a change in my life. Or at least it will put me in a position to where I will know that I have to choose. Sometimes we see friends going astray from the Lord or we see them compromising too much and we say, well, you know, this Nana, we pray. We've been praying for them. We see them kind of just veering off. There comes a point where we have to confront them and say, listen, you're wrong, you're getting off the wall, you're adding to your own hurt, you're not being the type of witness for the Lord, and man, I pray that you repent. Sometimes it takes that sternness. It should be done in the spirit of love, but very, very stern. That is true love. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You see, if you really love me, those wounds will be for my health, not for my hurt. They will seem hurt at the beginning. Joseph says, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. I pray that God surrounds me with men and women like that that are faithful to me. Because I'm not perfect. But we have to be open to being confronted. If people love us, they're going to do it. And we have to be open. And I think that's important. I think Paul is a perfect example as he rebuked Peter to the face. As he was walking both sides of the street, Paul demonstrated he loved Peter. Nathan reproved David as he gave him the parable. And he told him about that man that had one, one little ewe lamb, and, and, and this guy came over and took it from him and served it to his company. And David was so outraged, he says, That man shall surely die. And he says, David, you are that man. How do you think David felt? He didn't feel that hot. How do you think David felt about Nathan afterwards? I think he hugged him and just gave him the biggest lip lock because he appreciated him. 
because he was a faithful friend. Nathan could have said, well, you know, he's a king. What am I going to do? I have my head. He says, I love David. I want him to repent. I want to see him in heaven with me. I want to see God's hand upon him once again. I haven't seen him well this past year. No peace, no joy. He's aged a lot. I love him. I'm going to confront him. Those are beautiful lessons for us. Verse 7 says, The full soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. In other words, when you're satisfied with food, you know, a little sweetness or something extra doesn't really matter, but you take a person that's hungry and even the most bitter thing means is meaningful. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Self-injury. David wandered from the path and he went to bed with Bathsheba. He brought injury upon himself. Gehazi went off and received the reward that his master Elijah rejected. And when he came back, he says, Gehazi, where were you? He says, oh, nothing, I was here. He said, wasn't my heart with you? He says, the leprosy of Naaman shall now cleave to you. Oh, we got to be careful that we don't get off the road and we don't bring self-injury upon ourselves. Verse 9, he says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of man's friends by hearty counsel. It's neat to have good friends for counsel. It's like anointment and, and, you know, and perfume. It brings rejoicing of heart. And I think of David and Jonathan. Tight. They loved each other. Good counsel to each other. Verse 10, he says, Thine own friends and thy father's friends forsake not, neither go unto thy neighbor's house in the days of calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. It's speaking there about having old and close friends long friends using them don't think that you have to go only to family members sometimes family members are not the best people to go to but value those old friends those that you can confide in those that are faithful those that love you if the time arises but first go to god verse 11 says my son be wise and make my heart glad that i may answer him that reproacheth me in other words, he's speaking about parental joy when someone would reproach him and yet he would have his children to fall back on and say, here is the fruit of my labor. They serve the Lord. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. In other words, think things through. Know the damage, the consequences. And if there's hurt there, don't go through it. The simple one says, ah, nothing will happen. Uh, you know, I'm beyond that. And he goes through and adds to his own destruction. Verse 13, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him that is for a strange woman. Again, being surety or guarantee for somebody. We've covered this before. He that blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. In other words, flattery early in the morning doesn't do anybody any good. Let him wake up. Verse 15 says, continual dropping in a very rainy day and contentious women are alike. They drive you nuts. Whosoever hideth her, and verse 16 is connected with verse 15, whosoever hideth her hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand which bereath itself. In other words, can you hide such a woman? It's like trying to grab a hold of the wind. You can't. It's like trying to hide a strong perfume. Everybody's going to smell it. It's impossible 
to hide her. The more you tell her, shh, the louder she speaks. Verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Again, it speaks of loyal friendship. You're not afraid. You know, every one of us should have a friend or two that we can be ourselves with. You know, someone you can just express yourself and they're not going to think you're off the wall. Then you can come and say, you know, man, you're getting off the wall and you're not going to be afraid of it or anything. You know what I mean? We should have those, a close friendship with somebody that we can be ourselves. Iron sharpeneth iron. You know, and sometimes it's neat that we can have someone that, you know, we can trust in and we can be one. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. It speaks of uh, patience and faithful servant. Okay, and if we're faithful in the small thing, we're faithful to God, God will take care of us um, through our life. As in water face answereth the face, so the heart of man to man. In other words, with what measure you meet, it shall be meted to you. Uh, you shall reap to what you sow. You know, you look at the water, you look at yourself, so the heart of man to man. The reflection. Verse 20 is a beautiful proverb. Very true. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Isn't that true? You know, we get a junky car and we're, it's our first car and we really love it, man. I mean, we shine it up, we wash it, we wax it, we sweep it, we stick them little perfume bottles in it so it doesn't smell. We do everything. And later on, we advance in life and we despise that. We go to a new one and we get up to the latest model, the most expensive model, and yet we're still not satisfied. There's a balance that we have to understand in our lives and we have to be careful of. Perils of prosperity, very much a danger to our lives because our flesh is, is just vain. There's an emptiness. It cannot be satisfied. And if you think that your life can be satisfied in your flesh, then you truly don't believe the Word of God. As a finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. In other words, popularity and attention with uh, surface value. It's vanity and it's like dross. Verse 22, Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. In other words, a mortar is, you know, they used to beat wheat to thresh the, the shell out and then get the wheat. And they used to put some heavy stones on them to break it a lot easier. He says, you put a heavy stone on it and you beat a fool, it's still not going to drive his foolishness away from him. 23 to the end are together, it says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. In other words, it speaks about stewardship, diligence. Look well to them. Be a faithful steward. For riches are not forever. In other words, recognize that with the doors that God has opened to you, if he's given you a good job, don't just blow your money. Be a good steward of that. Save up for the day when maybe calamities would come or something would happen. Riches are not forever. And doeth thy crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. In other words, they're temporal. They're not always going to be there. The lands are for thy clothing. In other words, make use of the provisions that you need, but don't abuse them. And the goats are the price of thy field. Use it to purchase things, but wisely. 
and thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food. It's also to be used for supplements for your life, for the food of thy household and for the maintenance of thy maidens. In other words, be a good steward with what God gives to you and plan out your life and you will not live frustrated. Pastor Xavier Reese with wise words for wise living. More helpful, simple truths drawn from our continuing verse-by-verse series of the book of Proverbs. And this message is simply titled Proverbs chapters 25 through 30 and is available on CD for only $4. A CD that will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Proverbs chapters 25 through 30, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com